0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus. That's our passion. And we invite you to let God's word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James.
1: Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. We started a series last time uh, uh, called Worthy. And the idea of worthy is it's really a word. It comes from the same A root word is we get our word worth, where we say, you know, something's worth it, or that wasn't worth it, or that was really worth it. And what you're saying when you say something's worth it is you're saying that, you know, when I think about what it cost me and what I got, it balances, it balances. And the same idea is in the word worthy. When uh, it says in Revelation chapter four that all of the elders are going to bow before Jesus Christ in eternity, and they're going to say, worthy are you. Uh, Lamb of God, and uh, they're going to bow before him, and we're going to cast our crowns before him. The same word is there all the time worthy, worthy, worthy. And what they're saying is what we're saying when we say worthy is we're saying it balances. We're saying no matter how much praise and adoration and elevation and magnification we put on this side of the scale, Jesus, it's never too much, it always balances. You can't say it too much. You can't do it too much. You can't lift it too much. You, nothing's too much. He is worthy. Say that. He is worthy. And so you're like, well, that's kind of a big claim. You got some scripture to back that up? I do. I really do. And so uh, we've been in Hebrews chapter 1. If you could open to Hebrews chapter 1 right now, that would be fantastic. And um, I would love to, uh, maybe if it's possible, could we just review a little bit of what we did last time? And then um, I'll use the screen prompts, I think, to do that. Um, But let's just start in Hebrews chapter 1. Maybe what I'll do is, I don't do this very often, but maybe I could just um, read uh, the passage of Scripture here. Come on in. Come on in. We're glad you're here. Maybe I could just read the passage of Scripture. I'm in Hebrews chapter 1. I love, 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 love this uh, passage. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says... Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds. He makes his ministers a flame of fire. But to the sun, he says, Your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions, and yes, Lord, and and forgive me, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands, they will all perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels, as he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, that is one of the, and we're gonna be studying several of them through this series, but that is one of the absolute mountain peaks, Mount Everest, or K2, or I don't know which of the biggest peaks in scripture it is, declaring who Jesus Christ really is. Now, last time we were together, uh, we started off with this thought, God speaks and just how incredible that really is, and how the founders of our country, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, many of them were not Christians. They were what's called deists, and they believed that that God created the world, and then he withdrew and kind of folded his hands and stood back and said, okay, well, um, on you go, and he didn't really interact, but the message of scripture is that from the Garden of Eden, where God walked and talked with Adam and Eve, uh, to the little boy Samuel, who God kept calling out to in the night until the Uh, main uh, man at the temple, um, Eli said to him, if you hear the voice again, say speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The stories of the Old Testament are the stories of God speaking. God speaks. See it there in verse one. I'm just going to go through the verses now and we're going to be done. We've read them. Now we're going to walk through them. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We studied last time. He spoke in dreams. He spoke in visions. And he spoke the prophets is a reference to scripture. Sometimes they would say the law and the prophets. The law is the first five books of the Bible. Sometimes they say the law and the prophets because substantive portions of the Old Testament are written by the prophets. Ready for this? Let's run down a list. I'll be the little boy in wanna Ready? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. These are the prophets in the Old Testament. Each one has a Bible book after his name, and his primary message is there written. God has spoken always through the prophets. Come on in. Come right here. You're welcome. God has spoken always through the prophets. But in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us, everybody say, by his son. By his son. By his son. So God speaks, God speaks personally in Jesus Christ. I was late for study tonight by four minutes. That doesn't happen to me very often. You should know that. But um, my wife may or may not have broken some speed limits on the way here. That's all I'm saying. And, but God forgive her and me for getting her to do it mostly. And I love my son. I love my grandsons. I don't take, you know I don't take what I'm doing here lightly but you love your son, and I didn't want to miss it. And God could have spoken to us in a lot of ways, but he chose to reveal himself as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is not a father in the human sense of the word any more than Jesus is a son in that sense of it. These are accommodations of deity to the limited minds of humanity. Do you see? And so when God, the second person of the Trinity, came into this world and chose to be revealed as a son. That's so personal. God speaks. God speaks personally in Christ. We talked last time about how God speaks powerfully in Christ. Where he says here that he is the radiance of the glory of God. Light in the Bible is equal to truth. Radiance is what comes out from God, that Jesus Christ is the exact imprint of his nature, that Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. More on that tonight. Then we talked about his payment for sin. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen in many ways, and that God demonstrated his love toward us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right there in my stinking condition. Jesus gave his life to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be totally forgiven. What an awesome, awesome message. And when he was done that work, it says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And now I'm going to, I'll say the points here quickly. God speaks powerfully and precisely in Christ. God speaks profitably in Christ. You can go through all of those. And then God speaks permanently in Christ. But I want to get to the That's the review, and now into the new message that will get us to the end of Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll go on to another big, worthy passage next time we're together. So, um, the rest of the paragraph in chapter 1 is about comparison, and if you want to make a strong point, you use comparison. I was thinking about my mom uh, a lot today. I'm not sure why. One of the reasons might be Hebrews. I could... I could not possibly count the number of times that I have um, gone by my mother's chair. She would leave it sitting out her Bible on her chair. She would get up from her chair and leave her Bible sitting open on her chair. When we were at my mother's funeral, her Bible, her rocking chair was beside the casket. Her Bible's open there like it always would be and always, 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 always open to the book of Hebrews. So maybe thinking about that reality had me thinking about her today, but she was also very persuasive, uh, exceedingly so. And I can remember her, anybody ever at your house, anybody ever complain about the food? Anybody ever? We weren't really, we weren't really allowed to do that very much, but my mom had some crazy stuff she would come up with. One of them was, she loved turnips, we hated them, and she would mix them into the mashed potatoes to get us to eat them. That is such a bad plan. That, today, they'd call DCFs on you for that. Another one that I never really understood is some, I I don't mind carrots, but I'm not a huge fan of peas, and um, I never got the mixed vegetable thing. It was not good by itself. What would mixing them all, anybody ever have the mixed, hands up if you've ever had the mixed vegetable thing. What exactly are we going for there? (laughs) But I can remember, we would say, um, you know, mom, these mixed vegetables, what, 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 always the same thing. Do you have any idea how many children around the world have nothing to eat tonight? And, you know, anybody ever get that? Ever going to get that speech? She goes, "I'm always like, get an envelope." You know, which, but, and she would make that point and make it very persuasively, and then you would feel kind of ungrateful, and then you would eat. Persuasion by comparison, maybe hopefully a humorous way of making that point. But remember that persuasion by comparison, that's what's coming. And the reason this is important is because though we don't have this problem today, remember that the Bible was written in a particular period of time. And, you know, before they were even a hundred years from Bethlehem, they were, well, who exactly was Jesus Christ? He came He lived, he died, he rose, he ascended into heaven. Who was he? We can't ask him anymore. And they were wrestling through the nature of Christ before the New Testament was even finished, before the early church fathers had bound together 66 books called the Bible, and they were wrestling with who was Jesus Christ. And now in the first century, um, one of the things they wrestled with was, is Jesus above, beside, or below the angels? And this passage that we're going to go through the rest of it now is going to settle that, like it was written, to settle that forever. Where is Jesus in relationship to the angels? Now, just a couple things on the side about angels, in case you're interested. And we can post this on our website. You don't have to write all this stuff down. But um, angels are spirit beings that have bodies, but they're not flesh and bone like us. Hebrews 13, 2. Angels often appear in connection with brilliant light. As with the birth, remember, and the shepherds in the field, and the angels appeared in the sky, Angels are highly intelligent and have emotions, Luke 15, 10. Angels do not marry and are unable to procreate, Matthew 22. Angels are not subject to death. They don't die, Jude 6. Angels were created long ago, but they are not eternal, Hebrews 1, 7, and 8. Angels number in the trillions. Um, uh, The book of Daniel says that the number of angels were 10,000 times 10,000 and myriads of myriads innumerable number of angels certainly there are more angels in the universe than there are human beings on planet earth certainly more than that and when you think that one-third of all of the angels fell and became demonic spirits led by satan who was one of the highest angels uh, before that before he fell angels number in the trillions angels are highly organized and are divided into ranks jude 9 revelation 12 angels are more powerful and more swift than men And angels minister to God and do his bidding. They're servants. They're messengers. Now, um, with that as a backdrop, you'll see, starting in verse 4, he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, verse 4, Hebrews 1, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And um, that's, that's uh, really, really kind of, a, I think, a, uh, a remarkably clear statement. He is about as superior to the angels as he could possibly be. And the first proof that's given is he has a greater name. He has a greater name. Do you see that there in the text? If I was sitting in a chair like you are, would you be able to dig this? Hey, how are you? Would you be able to dig this out of the text? That he has, a, he has inherited a name that is more excellent than theirs. He has a name that is more excellent than theirs. Then who? Who's the theirs? Tell me. It's the angels. Jesus has a name that is more excellent than theirs. Now, wh- come on, call out for me a little bit. Just help me out here. What are some of the names of Jesus? Messiah? Messiah who said that? Nicely done, Mike. Who else? King of kings. King of kings thank you. Lord of Lords, well done. That's both from Revelation 19, uh-huh. Uh, Yahweh. Yahweh, uh-huh, well done. Emmanuel, God with us. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Um, in, in just in Isaiah 9, it says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? And so Jesus, come on, a lot of names, right? Yep. And none of those are the one that he's talking about here. The name that he gives to him, that he describes in this passage, which is, again, Having become much more superior to the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs, what's the name? You read verse 5. What's the name? The name is son. It's it's really more of a title, isn't it? That's how we would say it in English. It's, It's remarkable. We've heard it so many times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only say it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? He gave his only son. And so we've heard this so often, I think sometimes it doesn't really connect with us. I spent quite a long time wrestling with this, but I want to say this might be new to you. I don't believe that Jesus Christ was the son until the incarnation. In the Old Testament, he has prophesied that a son will come for unto us um, a child is born. Thank you, Christmas is coming. And unto us... a Son is given. He was prophesied as a son who would come. You are my son, and, and today I have begotten you, was said about David, but it was also uh, prophetic regarding Christ. And he was certainly eternal, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, uh, the second person of the Trinity, but I don't believe until the un- incarnation, until the God man, were the Old Testament prophecies about the son. Now he's eternally the son. For all time now, he is the son, but I don't believe that he was the son in that sense, only prophesied until uh, the incarnation. Now, um, that's why it's so awesome in verse 5, for to which of the angels did God ever say? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's like super sarcastic, right? But you have to remember the person who was penning this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was pretty miffed that people were saying that the angels were kind of like up there with Jesus. He's like, all right, what about this? How many angels has he ever called son? To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son and I have begotten you? It's really an incredible, incredible concept. So he has a greater name, uh, son, and then this. He has a greater honor, and that's worship he is worshipped. In the Bible, Jesus Christ is worshipped. And so, see it in verse 6? And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, let all God's angels, what? Worship Worship him. You want to know where Jesus sits in relation to the angels? This will help. They worship worship him. That's certainly clarifying. Now, I have a little technical point here because I don't like to don't like to skip over things in the Bible that are hard. so I'm just going to stop for a second. This word firstborn has caused a lot of confusion in the teaching of the God's Word. There are whole cults that are built around. We one of the young men who's in our house here has Jehovah's witnesses in his background, and he is seriously, rocked in his thinking, and I care a lot about him, and uh, it's because of this false teaching about Jesus. The number one rule of language is this, usage determines meaning. Okay, usage determines meaning. I could give so many examples. Um, When I was a little kid, if you said that something sucked, that was quite a crude reference. Now it just means that it stinks. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. That's a crass analogy. In the 1890s, the decade of the 1890s was called the gay 90s. It meant super happy. As it turned out, the 1990s were the gay 90s too, but it meant something a lot different. You would never show up now and say, well, gay, it just means happy. No, because usage determines meaning. The way the word is used determines what it means, and meaning changes over time. You track it with me? All right, now back to the word firstborn. Because in the Bible, this will catch you up a bit, in the Bible, the word firstborn means neither first nor born. Okay? It doesn't mean that. In the culture of the Bible, all of the blessing, Valentina, are you the firstborn child in your family? Do you have any older siblings than you? You have a no, no, you don't. So you, got, you got a lot to look forward to. Something special always for the firstborn. And in the Hebrew culture, the firstborn, male only more so because they had the responsibility for the next generation family. And so there was so much honor and so much privilege. If you know the story of the Bible, Jacob and Esau had a major family feud over who was going to be the firstborn because there was so much. And so that over time, firstborn came not only to mean the person who was firstborn, but over time it came to mean this, unique in rank and privilege. Now I can give you some examples of this just to prove the point because it is actually uh, quite important. For example, Israel in Exodus 4.22 is called the firstborn nation, but they were neither the first nation nor can a nation be born. Um, David is called, God calls David the firstborn, King David, but he was the eighthborn in his family. He had seven older brothers, and um so he was not in any sense it just means unique in rank and privilege so and the reason this is important is is because people who don't believe in the deity of jesus christ if you want to write an important notation in your bible in any of those blue bibles that are here you can write in any of those bibles but if you have your own bible especially write in the margin there d-e-i-t-y the deity of jesus christ This is the central doctrine of true Christianity, that Jesus Christ is God. Now, would everybody agree that sometimes in these days people are fired up about things they don't need to be fired up about? (laughs) Would you agree? Everybody's wound up about something and everybody's got an opinion about this or that, and I really do see that, but you wonder to yourself, like, what actually is a really important thing for me to be fired up about? Like, what, what actually is it worth it for me to be like, you know what I'm saying, like, is this really worth me taking a stand and driving a stake in the ground? Here it is this is the thing, the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that he actually is God. Now, a lot uh, could be given on that subject, but I think sometimes people wonder or question uh, whether um, other uh, faiths and denominations even question this. But the fact of the matter is, they do all question it. Uh, For example, I don't see this in my notes here, but um, uh, Islam, for example, um, repudiates the idea that Jesus Christ is God. Christian science repudiates the idea that Jesus is God. Jehovah's Witness and Mormons absolutely mock the concept that Jesus is unique and that he is God of very gods. Uh, True Christianity is founded on this principle that Jesus Christ is actually God uh, the Son. And so this is being elucidated here, and if we're going to have a series on worthy, I mean, the first thing we want to put on the side, we want to put God here, and Jesus Christ, no problem, measures right up. He's God, and that's everything else that we believe about him is basically based or founded upon that reality. So, um, and of course, that's why he is worshipped. In Revelation 22, just for a little change of pace, I'll read this to you. Revelation uh, 22, verse 8. John is coming to the end of this incredible revelation, and it says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. What's the angel going to do? The apostle John's worshiping him. What's he going to do? Verse 9. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. In Acts chapter 4, the same thing happened. The apostles began to heal people, and they healed a lame man, and they said to him, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And it said that the people began to bow down and worship them, and the apostles ran out in the crowd, and they tore their clothing and said, how can you do this wicked thing? We are men just like you are. Only This is why I have a problem with some of the more historic and candidly uh, Roman uh, traditions in Christianity because the priests and the fathers and the bishops, they dress up in these fine embroideries and, and they wear hats and people get their rings kissed and there's just so much adoration directed to the human agency when any sincere messenger of the gospel is saying, not me, God. Not me, Jesus. He is God. So, um, He has a greater honor, and that is worship.
0: So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching and and resources are there and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.